This afternoon we come in our exposition of the prophecy of Isaiah, to chapter 9 and verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, and we'll be considering really just the first part of, of verse 6 this afternoon. John 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. We all derive joy from receiving gifts. Every child and adult alike rejoice over the receipt of a gift. But the amount of joy that we receive is affected by at least three things. First of all, the gift itself, the greatness of the gift. It's one thing to be given a paperclip. It's another thing to be given a key to a mansion as a gift. So the greatness of the gift is part of what affects our joy. Um, The second thing is the greatness of the giver. Who is it that's giving us the gift? That influences our joy as well. And then thirdly, what is the intention? What is the purpose behind the gift? That too, the greatness of that, will also affect the greatness of our joy. So our joy is affected by three things. Another, you could put it another way, by what, that is what the gift is, who, who gave it, and why. What, who, and why. All of those feed uh, the joy that we have over the receipt of a gift. Well, we come in our our exposition of Isaiah uh, to this glorious text uh, on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, we're going to slow down. Uh, We've covered at times here some large swaths, and we will be covering some large swaths again. But we're going to slow down to consider uh, what this what this passage tells us about the Lord Jesus Christ before passing on to what follows. And let me just remind you here of the context of verse 6. So we considered last week together uh, verses 1 to 5. You'll notice verse 6 begins with the word for. For unto us a child is born. So there's, this is, this is, uh, Verse 6 is, is, is drawing upon what has preceded, and it really takes us all the way back to verse 2. Because in verse 2, we're told that there's this light that's come, this light that will come and dispel all the darkness, that the light will dispel the darkness by uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see in verse 3 that by the gospel, there'll be an increase of of the church by sinners that are being brought into the kingdom, brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. The picture that's given is of the times of joy at harvest, or uh, another picture given is the time of joy and victory over an important battle. That's the language that's being used there in verse 3. And then verse 4, we're told that there'll be deliverance from bondage, and that the Lord, as it were, with the touch of a finger, will break the yoke, and deliver his people from, from their bondage and, uh, and slavery. And then you come to verse 6. And in coming to verse 6, it brings us to the author of all of these things. From verse 2 through verse 5. The one who will accomplish all of this. The light that will dispel the darkness. The one who will come and set captives free and and extend the borders of his church and bring deliverance and so on and so forth. It brings us to the author of these things. How in the world will all of this be done? All that's described in verses 1 to 5. How will it be done? The answer is given in 
in verse 6. For, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and so on. Here we have glad tidings of great joy in the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who himself will accomplish all of this glorious work. And so the title of our sermon is A Son Given. We're going to consider three things uh, this afternoon. And we'll begin, first of all, with the gift. So three things. First of all, the gift. Secondly, the giver. Thirdly, the recipients of the gift. So first of all, the gift. The passage says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. First of all, he's described as a child, but in the Hebrew, more literally, a man child. So this is male. A male child is to be born. And the idea of born is not just giving birth, but actually born and presented to us. So a man child is born and presented unto us. And this goes often with what you even think of in terms of natural childbirth and so on. You know, the baby is taken and presented to the mother, the father, other, you know, perhaps other friends that are there. The child is shown, right, wrapped up and handed to, uh, to the family members and so on. So that's the picture that's given to us. It's the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ that's being depicted. The birth of the Lord Jesus Christ that, as we heard this morning, has was so long expected. We were hearing this morning about 4,000 years of breathless anticipation of the, the state of expectancy and waiting for at last the Lord to deliver and bring the Messiah that he said would come. And so they looked and looked and looked uh, for this throughout the Old Testament. And here it's being foretold again in Isaiah. But we don't stand in the day of Isaiah. We stand in the day in which God has created us. And this promise, then prophesied by Isaiah, has arrived since for us. The Lord Jesus Christ, now 2,000 years ago, has been born. The child has come. Indeed, when he came, as we see in the, the opening chapters of, of the Gospels, it was so significant and so notable that none other than angels were qualified to come and announce it. And so the angels appear in the heavens. And they're dec declaring this, this glorious news of these glad tidings of, of great joy that the Lord Jesus Christ was born. Indeed, that's perfectly appropriate because the world never saw such a birth. Never in the history of humanity had such a birth ever occurred and never would again for the history of the world. This, is a, this was a birth like no other, a man-child born and presented, also described here as a son. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Here the, the word son isn't so much to designate the gender. That's already been given to us in the word child. It's a man-child that will be born. No, a son is given. This is not just a son. This is the son that would be given. The one and only Son, the Son of God, who, who had been and was forever the Son of God from eternity, who would become the Son of Mary. The Son of God 
In other words, one who is God himself. This is deity. This is the second person of the Trinity. This, in other words, is describing the coming of the God-man, the mediator, the one who comes in two distinct natures. This is the Son of God in man's nature who is being given. That's who's being given, the gift. Now, there are many gifts from heaven. Indeed, everything we have is a gift from heaven. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, within whom there is neither variableness, neither shadow of turning, James tells us. So all of the gifts, right? Rain falls upon the just and the unjust. It's all an undeserved gift from the Lord. So we have many gifts from heaven. But my friends, this gift is truly the greatest. This is the unspeakable gift. This is the inestimable gift. This is the gift of all gifts in the giving of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because what is given is not a thing, like a present that you put in a box and hand to someone. It's not a thing at all. It's a person. This gift is a person. Now, we know even at our basic level that, 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 that a person is of infinitely greater worth than anything else in the world. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? The whole world? No, the, the soul is worth, the soul of one man is worth more than the whole world. But that's not all we're talking about. This gift is not only a person, it is a divine person. The gift of a divine person. Think about it. The gift of God is God. The gift of God is God himself. Indeed, we see this at two fronts. In this text, we're focused primarily on the giving of the Son, the giving of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God giving us God as a gift. But there's also the gift of the Holy Spirit, so that upon Christ's ascension to the right hand of the majesty on high, the Father and the Son pour out the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is given as a gift, God giving God to his people. And so here we're speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The gift is the Lord Jesus Christ sent uh, as the second person of the Trinity wrapped in our human nature. Having assumed to himself our own, our, own, our own nature. And this was a stumbling block for many, both Jews and Greeks alike. Because they looked upon the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> the, 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 the unsearchable gift. And they couldn't perceive who he was. They couldn't perceive. They couldn't see through uh, the, the veneer, as it were. They couldn't see through his, his humanity. And they couldn't see the gift that he was to the world. And so what did they do? They rejected his gift. They rejected the gift. They, they refused to accept the gift that had been sent from heaven. But my friends, this is a matchless gift. This is a gift of, of infinite worth, of unparalleled value. Why? Because in the giving of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the gift of salvation. There is salvation is found in no other, no other name given under heaven by which men may be saved. In the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the gift of a redeemer, the only redeemer, a savior, the deliverer, 
of sinners. This is the matchless gift. And how suitable to our needs this gift is. We who are the fallen sons and daughters of Adam, who have defiled ourselves and polluted ourselves, who are guilty through and through, who have were conceived in sin, born in sin, spent our life in sin, so that we have a record of, a track record of habitual disobedience to God's law, so that we're rebelling and disobedient. Right Here we are as those who are condemned and under the wrath of God already, born into this world as children of wrath. This gift of a Savior is perfectly suited to our great need. Of salvation from our sins. And what more? It's a seasonable gift. Seasonable timing. Because it's not given to us. As it were. Declared to others before we're born. And never again. Or declared after we're born. So that we've never heard of it. But it comes to us seasonably. It comes to us in our own time. And in our own place. And in our own circumstances. And in all of the variations of, of those circumstances. The Lord comes to us. With a gift from heaven. In the person of his son. This gift is absolutely complete. Why? Because to have the Lord Jesus Christ is to have all. It's to have everything. He who spared not his own son but delivered him up from us all. How will he not with him also freely give us all things? Paul says in Romans. To have Christ is to have all things. All of this in one gift. The gift that God is describing in this passage. And if that's not enough, there is the freeness of the gift. The absolute freeness of the gift. I say absolutely free. No qualifications whatsoever. It is a gift that is given. It is not a payment that is rendered. It is not earned. It is not merited. It is not something uh, for which we give something else in exchange. It is the free gift in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll come back to this. But remember the language later in Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money? For that which is not bread, and so on. Or you think of the very end of the Bible. The Bible closes on that same theme. It's as if the Lord would leave lingering in our ear the same theme. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride, the church, say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Let him take the water of life freely. And so it is a free gift that God bestows. We'll come back to that. My friends, think of this. Here is the Lord coming, and he's declaring truly glad tidings of truly great joy to us. The Lord is coming, and he's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scatter the darkness with light. I'm going to deliver the, those in bondage. I'm going to bring days of harvest. I'm going to accomplish all these things through the birth of a man-child. Through the giving of the gift of a son to my people. We are poor sinners. Absolutely poverty stricken. Bereft of anything. We, we, we have nothing. 
spiritually. And the Lord comes and he says, this is a gift that will enrich you for time and eternity. It will enrich you like nothing else can. Enrich you for time and eternity. For poor, spiritually bankrupt sinners like ourselves. Well, we begin with the gift. But even here, you can see what a, what a wicked thing it is to despise the gift that the Lord brings. My friends, do not slight the gift that God carries in his hand. Right? The, the greater the gift, the greater the guilt in refusing it. Well, here is the greatest of all gifts. We're not to slight it. And remember, we're not, it's not a gift that is, as it were, always for the taking. Hebrews 3, verse 15, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Right? Today is the day of, of salvation. This is not a gift that is always for the taking. It is a gift that is held forth in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in this world, in our pilgrimage, in this life, under the preaching of God's word. But to leave this world without the gift is to leave without it forever. To be without it permanently. And you will not later be able to give ten thousands and hundreds of thousands of, a wor of worlds in exchange for this gift. It will be no more. So we have the gift. But then secondly, we have the giver. Secondly, we have the giver. For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given. Who, children, is the giver of this most glorious of all gifts? Well, the answer is God the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is God the Father who gives his son and indeed, that has to be the case. Of course, if the gift is God, if the gift is God giving us himself, only God can give God. Only he can give himself. It would be impossible otherwise. So, of course, it has to be the Lord himself. And so he does so. He, he gives, it's, it's the Father who gives us the gift of his Son, of his own Son, of his beloved Son, of his only begotten son. It's the father giving the gift of his own son, giving himself. Do you see what's happening? The Lord, the Lord is doing, he's describing here what he's described for, for the believing people of God elsewhere. He'll withhold no good thing from us. Well, if he'll withhold no good thing, then he can't withhold the greatest thing. And the greatest thing is not just the temporal mercies that we need and deliverance and help and even the spiritual blessings for our soul. The greatest of all gifts is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so God gives nothing less. Nothing less than that. Nothing less than himself. Christ, the one in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. In giving us the Son... He gives us 
eternal life in the Son. In the Son is to be found life forevermore. Life that is undying. He's giving life to those who are spiritually dead. I mean, if you're dead, when you're dead, what could be more needful? What could be more powerful? What could be more beautiful than to be given life? Without life, you have nothing. The Lord gives life to those who are dead. This is the greatest of all gifts. Again, at the end of 1 Corinthians 3, he says, all things, all things are yours. In Christ Jesus, it's all yours. As Paul says, you're, you're joint heirs with him. The believer who comes by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ is wed to him. And in being wed to him, all that he is, all that he has, becomes theirs. The believer has a share in all that is, in all that is Christ's. And so this is the giver. The giver is the Lord himself. The, the Lord himself is the one coming and saying, I am the one who gives the man-child. I am the one who gives the son. I am the one who gives the Savior, the only Redeemer of God's elect. The problem for so many including some of you here this, this afternoon. The problem for so many is that you have absolutely no sense of the need for this gift of the gospel, this gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have no sense of need. And so you, you, you feel quite at ease with life and some religiosity and Bible and knowledge and church attendance and you know, connections to Christian families, whatever else it is, you feel content with, with those things. And you see no need to actually be given and to receive the gift of all gifts in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it by way of, of analogy. When you're hungry, so if you've gone all day without food, maybe you fasted for a whole day, stuff that you don't ordinarily like, it's not your favorite, starts to look yummy to you. And when you're hungry, even food that wasn't as attractive, wouldn't be the first choice, begins to look delicious to you, right? Because there's, there's a hunger pain there. But the flip side is also true. If you're stuffed, right? If you're replete, you're, you're full, you, you, you've eaten uh, above and beyond, and you, you can't eat anymore, nothing looks tasty to you. Your favorite food might look nauseating to you, might not look attractive to you. So here's the problem, right? There's, for some of you, you have no sense of your need. You don't see that in reality, you are hanging by your shirt tail over an open hell. And that any second, that shirt tail could give way. And you go off into a lost eternity with no remedy forever. You do not see that amidst all of the other good things that you're seeking to be and do, that in fact you at base are a wicked, abhorrent, rebellious sinner who has defied God and broken every bit of his law. And there's no sense of the guilt of that, of the, the perfect justice and equity of the penalty and punishment that come as a result of that. And so your interests lie elsewhere. If I were to get up and to tell you what the stock market is going to do tomorrow, or if I were to get up and tell you what you know, is going to happen in the sports world tomorrow or in your business or your health or something else, you would have keen interest in these things. 
And so your interest has been diverted elsewhere, but not to the one thing needful, the one thing that is most needful, the thing that pertains most to your soul. But for those who see their need, they relish the gift. Those who see their need as bankrupt sinners see what a remarkable provision a glorious Savior is, that a child is born, that a son is given, that there is a Redeemer who is able to come and save to the uttermost. This supplies precisely what my soul longs for, precisely what I stand in need of. It is the thing which nothing else can distract me from, and I must have while I draw breath. And here it is presented to you by the Father himself. If I were to come as a mere man and to say, here are these wonderful gifts, you would have no good reason to get excited. But that's not the case. It's God himself who's come to you. It's God himself who's come to you in the preaching of the gospel in his own word. It's God who's coming. It is the father who is presenting his son in the preaching of the gospel, who is holding up and holding before you his own son. Remember when Peter responds with that great confession and says that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Christ, is, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus responds and says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, Peter. My father who is in heaven has revealed that to you. It's the father who comes with the presentation of the Son. And he's given us means through which to do that, so that in preaching as a minister of the gospel, I don't come in my own name, but in the name of the Lord himself and declare his own word, not the word of man. In the preaching of the gospel, Jesus Christ is presented to you from the Lord himself. In the sacraments, you see it depicted as well. The ministry of the Holy Spirit comes in the elect to illuminate the mind, to be able to behold, to take the things of Christ and to show them to us. The Spirit is also at work in presenting the Son to us. What are the implications? The implications of the giver being God mean that you best be careful in not slighting the giver. It's not just, it's not just rebuffing the gift now. As, as reprehensible as that is. But it is casting into the face of the giver, the God himself, his own gift. Remember those words of wisdom in Psalm 2. Kiss the son, my friend. Kiss him, you foolish, stupid judges and kings of the earth. You rebellious, wicked rulers. Kiss this son. Sons and daughters, men and women, boys and girls throughout the world. Kiss the son. Kiss him. Receive him. Lay hold of him. Trust in him. Believe on him. Lest his anger, lest his wrath be kindled. Lest ye perish when his wrath is kindled but a little. Kiss him lest his wrath be kindled but a little. Here is the sun that is being set before us. You saw also in John 3, these words in verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness 
rather than light because their deeds were evil. Beware of slighting the giver of this most glorious gift. My friend, consider with me, consider the hand it comes from. Consider the hand of the one who offers this gift to you. How reliable God is. He cannot lie. He is truth itself. He is faithful. All of his promises are absolutely firm and certain. He is good. He is merciful. He is just in all of his ways. He is so incredibly reliable. Consider the hand of the one who brings the gift to you. And in doing so, embrace him. Lay hold of the gift. Indeed, bless his glorious name for the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship him. Because what is being given is a savior. What is being given is a savior. We have the gift. We have the giver. But I want to spend a little time on the recipients. Thirdly, the recipients. So the gift is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. The giver is God himself. Thirdly, the recipients. Notice that it says, for unto us. There's the pronoun. There's the recipients. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Those who, the recipients of this gift are not the fallen angels. The angels are confined to everlasting torment. The fallen angels. They stand in need of redemption, but they are offered none. This gift is not for them. There's no way of salvation for them. It is unto us. We who are, who bear relation to him. We who, who are those with a human nature, which he himself has assumed and come into, into relation with us. He says, it's unto us that a child is born, unto us that a son is given. And not just to those who are creatures, not to those who have human natures, but it is to sinners. It is to sinners as sinners. Unto us as sinners, the least likely, the least deserving, the most astonishing. We sinners have a child born unto us, a son given unto us. Hear me clearly, it is to sinners that the gift comes in the preaching of the gospel. And I can hear some of you who are saying to yourself, well, I fear it's not given to me. I see the gift. Surely there's no argument with the gift. I see the giver. It's true. It's God himself who's the giver. But alas, it's not given to me. The gift is not presented to me, I fear. You could not be more wrong. If you tried harder, you couldn't be more wrong. Christ is that manna that came down from heaven. John 6, you know the text. You know the Old Testament account that it draws upon. 
That manna was sent to all of Israel. Those who loved it and were hungry for it received it. Those who loathed it and despised it, they received it as well. The manna was sent down from heaven. And so God sends ministers to present the Lord Jesus Christ to all who hear the gospel. He sends ministers to pre- present the Lord Jesus Christ as the gift from God to all who hear the gospel. He is that brazen serpent who was lifted up in the wilderness. Lifted up so that all who had been smitten, all who had been bitten by these fiery, these fiery serpents were able to look and be healed. That's what happens in the preaching of the gospel. Christ is, is come, he's presented to you, he's held forth to you, he's lifted up before you. You understand that much, but understand this. You're allowed to take it. My friend, you are allowed to take it. The gift is glorious. It's irresistible. It's beautiful. It's so suitable, so needful for your soul. It's God himself who's coming. And God in it, bringing that gift in his own hand. And the Lord is saying, take it. You are allowed to take it. Indeed, you are commanded to take it. To take the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember his words, go into the highways and the byways and bid them to come to the marriage. Bid them to come. Gather them from every nook and cranny, every corner that you can find. Bring them all in, for all has been made ready. The feast is set, and the Lord in the gospel puts that feast before you and bids you to take, to eat of it. If your neighbor has something that you desperately need, and your neighbor tells you that you're allowed to take it, have it, man, you need it, use it, it's all yours. Do you sit around and quibble and question and say, well, I'm not sure if, if it really can and if it's really true, and I don't know if, if it's really if I'm permitted and allowed to do that, and so on and so forth. No, like the brazen serpent lifted up in the, in the wilderness, the Lord says, look unto Christ. He says to his ministers, go preach the gospel to every creature under heaven and tell them to lift up their eyes, to look from the ends of the earth and be saved, that here is one who is able and willing to save all who come to him by faith. This gift is free. You don't bring all of your qualifications and merits and, and resume and spiritual attainments and whatever else with you. The gift is actually free, and it's free to you, my friend, to you individually, to you specifically, to you particularly. God himself is coming, and he's presenting the Lord Jesus Christ in all of the freeness, without merit, without price, without payment. He's presenting Christ to you. He's held forth to you in the hand of God. And God says to you in the preaching of the gospel, Here is my son. I've given the greatest, the best. I've withheld nothing. I've given what's most needful. Here is my son, the only savior of sinners. Take him. Have him to be yours. All yours. Forever yours. The savior and Lord who will redeem and wash and cleanse you and reconcile you to the Father. 
and rule over you and subdue you and all of your and his enemies. This is the Lord. The light has shined, my friend. It has. The people that walked in darkness have indeed seen a great light for unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. And so the gospel is being pressed. You are to take God at his word. Neither adding anything or subtracting anything. Take him at his word. Lay hold of what he gives you in his word. The warrant to close with Christ in the gospel. The warrant for you to receive Christ. To lay hold of Christ. To to believe upon Christ. to, To rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. The warrant is in his word. It's in the word. The promise. The gospel. It's not in you. Secret knowledge you have. Or some other indicators that you have or anything else take him at his word because it's a word to poor sinners just like you just like you jesus says i didn't come to save the righteous forget them i came to call sinners to repentance this free gospel offer is for you in particular as a poor poverty stricken sinner who has absolutely nothing. Christ is being held forth to you in particular. And when I say take him at his word, the implications are if you don't believe, you make God a liar. If you refuse to believe the gospel, if you refuse to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you refuse to take him as the only way To take him as the salvation of your soul. Then you make God a liar. And for that you deserve to be damned. 1 John 5 verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Because he believeth not the record that that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given, 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 given. God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. You say to yourself, well, it's too much. It's too much. It's too great of a gift. It's too magnificent. It's too, you know, for for me and for who I am and my station and my history, my place as a poor creature and sinner and so on and so forth. This is too much for God to give God, for him to give his only son in love, for him to, to give and withhold not even his own son as a savior of his people. It's too big. Please tell me. Pray tell, what is too big for an infinite God to give? He's an infinite God. It is by definition impossible for it to be too big for him to give. Now you say, okay, but I am too unworthy. I'm too unworthy. 
I've done this sin and that sin and this other sin and I've sat so long under the gospel without repentance and no faith and I've sinned away the day of grace and so on and so forth. I'm too unworthy. Would you believe it if I told you it was given to the self-righteous? So Christ is given to those who aren't as bad as you. He's given to people who are good, unlike you. Would you believe that? If so, it's unbelief, isn't it? In both cases, it's unbelief. It's unbelief that's the problem. God says that his son is being freely offered to you in the gospel and that he will save your miserable sin-sick soul reconcile you to himself and bestow upon you an eternal life and eternal inheritance. It is unbelief to gainsay, to contradict, to disbelieve God. He came to call sinners to repentance. And so he calls you to lay hold upon him by faith. He calls you to lay hold upon him as the greatest of all gifts, the fact is that others, others have gone before you, my friend. Others around you here have gone and ventured out in faith and laid hold upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that gift that is presented to them by God himself. Others have received him and they've been enriched and they found their souls satisfied and all their sins have been cleansed. And they have a permanent and guarantee of, of glory in heaven to come. There are those around you. There are those who have gone before you. Why not you? Why not you as well? Surely you see your need. You will perish without this gift. God comes and he says, I give it freely. And yet if you refuse it, you will perish, my friend. You will perish in everlasting fire without it. Surely you can see the worth of the gift. Here is one who is absolutely perfect. Here is one who is God himself and therefore able with infinite power to deliver you. Here is one who is a perfect humanity, who has conformed himself with flawlessly to the standards of God's law. And here the God-man is given Himself as a gift, the worth of the gift is immeasurable. You see your need. You see the worth of the gift. And so it is my duty to call upon you to take it. Take him. Receive him. Lay hold of him. Rest in him. It is interesting that it says to us, for unto us a child is born, unto us, we who hear the gospel, unto us a son is given. That means not just me, but it means not just you, but it means others too. And so for those of you who bring with you all of those burdens of loved ones who are hastening to a lost eternity, children, grandchildren, parents, spouses, siblings, friends, these loved ones. 
the gospel is able to save each of them, indeed able to save all of them together. And there is hope. There is hope for us. There is hope for them in the proclamation of Christ Jesus, in the proclamation of Christ crucified. Isaiah chapter 9 is suffused with joy. The whole purpose of this passage is to impart joy. These are glad tidings of great joy. The light scattering the darkness, the harvest days, the, the, the bondage that is the yoke that's being broken and so on. All of this possible. How, how, how? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is good news. The joy of the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Right? We, we should be like those in Christ's parable who discovered the treasure buried in the field. And for the joy, we're told. What do they do? They hide the gift. And for the joy, they go off and sell absolutely everything they have in order to buy that field, in order to get that treasure. That's where we are here this afternoon. The Lord is coming and he's saying, I've showed you a treasure buried in a field. And oh, for the joy that should thrill your heart, that would lead every last one of you to say, I will sell all to have him, to have this gift, to have the Savior, the only Redeemer of God's elect, to have the Lord Jesus Christ himself as mine, the gift of God. God himself coming, bringing with him in his hand the gift of his own son to poor, helpless sinners like you and me. Let's stand for prayer. O Lord, our God in heaven, the great giver, the bountiful giver, the only giver of all good gifts, O oh Lord, we rejoice indeed in this greatest immeasurable gift. Surely nothing more could have been given than what was given in the giving of thy Son. O oh Lord, give us eyes to see it. Give these little ones, the young people, the adults, the old people, Give us eyes, O Lord, to see it. Give us, O Lord, grace to receive it. Come and work in our souls that we might have that joy that is inexpressible and full of glory that is found in the sight of Jesus Christ. For we ask it in his name. Amen.